You're listening to The Relaunch Podcast, and I'm your host, Hilary DeCesar, best-selling author, speaker, and transformational coach widely recognized in the worlds of neuropsychology and business launches, which cultivated the one and only 3HQ method, helping midlife women, yep, that's me too, rebuild a life of purpose, possibility, and inspiring business ventures. Each week, we'll be diving into the stories that brought upon the most inspirational relaunches while sharing the methods and the secrets that they learned along the way so that you too can have not just an ordinary relaunch, but an extraordinary relaunch. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Relaunch Reel with my co-host on my left here, Miss Tigo. I mean, we are back in action. Isn't it fun? It's was, so fun. It's so much fun. First, I have to tell you, thank you so much for the, you know, the honor of co-hosting with you. It's a blast. I'm having a blast. You and I, first five minutes we talked, we were like, okay, we're friends. That's it. We're family. We're we doing that. I think, yeah, we're, we're the F and F, friends and family here. This is friends so and good. Family and here. this is truly, I mean, we had our first introductory of the show, but this is our first real first segment. This is go time. This is Tigo time. See, no pressure. No, not, no pressure. <laughs> this, you be good. this is not going to be a one and done. We are doing this. This is season one awesome. of the relaunch reel. I'm ready. And the premise again is we're going to be diving into somebody that has had on the surface, a significant amount of success. And we're going to pull out some of the things that you and I really didn't know. And I didn't know when I was going through some of the notes today, I didn't know a lot of that stuff. Okay. Did you? No. No. Heck no. So we're going to like share things. And so who are we going to be talking about today? Well, I mean, I understand that we're going to be talking about Cheryl, right? Yeah. Cheryl Sandberg. Cheryl Sandberg. So former, former COO of Facebook, otherwise known as Meta Meta. now. And what a phenom she has been. I mean, Google too, right? I didn't know that. I I did not know that. Before (laughs) she went to Facebook, she literally was at Google. Yeah, because she's, it's, it's like she left Google. She goes to Facebook. She's on the board. I think she may be still on the board, but it's like. She was COO. I mean, that's like one rank down from the men. Well, and some may say that she actually ran the company. She was, she was really, you know, she was something. Now there is a part of this though. And what we came together in discussing what we really wanted to do was not only highlight women who've had massive success, but for some, they don't know that there were a lot of struggles there too. Some were right. public struggles and right. some were very private. private struggles. Yeah. And I think you and I can both um, really, you know, business is hard enough to be a successful female. I, I, I One of the things that I, I did not know was how few women really there were on boards. I did not know that uh, last year... 22% of boards had female this year. It's 27%. Wow. We are, we are moving in the moving right direction, forward. but still so few. And as Cheryl exited off of, um, and I don't know if she's on or not, if she's still on the board, that's interesting, but I know that there are seven and seven members and two are women. I don't, I, I have to go back and check on that one. The, okay. the details, okay. but super interesting when you think about, her whole concept. And I, I'm very much, uh, I was at least a lean in her book, super successful, which by the way, did you know that that came out in 2003? Wait, 20 years ago? No, 10 years ago, 2013. Oh, okay. Wait a minute. Yeah. 2013. 2013. Wow. That's still a long time. It's been a decade. 10 years. Wow. 10 years. Boom. But when you think about the lean in concept and it came out, what was your, what was your first reaction to that? You know, wow. I mean, because it's different, you know what I'm saying? 
And it's like, you just didn't know what that meant. And I don't think a lot of people know what that means, yeah. you know? So yeah. I've heard, still, yeah. because I've heard of Lean, right? You've read the book, I Have yeah. Not, yeah. you know? You've read the book, I Have Not. But I think you need to tell people what Lean is all about mm-hmm. so they're on our same page. Because I hope yeah. a whole lot of them were going to say they didn't know that. Yeah, so when she initially came out with this idea, it was really about you need to put yourself out there give yourself a seat at the table, make the impact, go for the jobs. And I got to tell you, when I was in corporate and I was at Oracle, high tech Mm -hmm. company, Silicon Valley for almost 10 years, I did that. I was leaning into every opportunity that I could get. But there was this one time I was having my twins and I had just actually had them. We were it must have been about two weeks after they were born and they were about six weeks early. And I get this call from my vice president and he said, Hey, you know, Hillary first, congratulations. But I want to let you know that we have, you know, when you come back, we put in place a new manager and super excited to, you know, you know him. He's, you know, amazing. He's so great. And I said, well, wait a second. I didn't even, I didn't even know that there was an opening. I didn't even know that they were, you know, even considering an opening. Mm -hmm. And he said, Oh yeah, you know, but this is going to be great. And you'll come back and you'll do this and you'll do that. And you'll do everything for him. And I said, well, wait a second. I want to throw my name in the hat. And I just hear the death silence. Like what you want to do what? And I said, yeah, I don't understand why I wasn't given an opportunity to go for this position. And he said, well, you know, Hillary, you have kids at home now. You've got babies. And I said, well, that shouldn't affect the fact that I should have been at least offered an opportunity. Men have babies at home. (laughs) So I ended up pushing again. And I said, no, I'm, I'm serious. I really want to be considered. And again, it was that pregnant pause. Like, you know, are you kidding? Is this really like, is she joking? Almost like I felt like. Is this a joke? Mm-hmm. Well, it ends up that he called me back later and he said, all right, you you want an interview? You're going to have to interview with this person and that person and that person and that. I mean, it was like this whole laundry list of like, and then this. And if you even make it to this far, then that. And I thought, okay, that's fine. I said, I want to do it. So I did. And I kept going further and further. And finally, they came back and said, all right, you've got the job. Wow. And, Congratulations. And, and, well, yeah, yeah, wait a second. It's the lean in bomb that I'm about to tell you. So I leaned in and I leaned in and I did everything like you were supposed to. And then you know what happened? What? He said, all right. And you know, the guy that had gotten the job, he will now be one of your managers reporting into you. We're going to go ahead and give him the director job and blood. I'm like, Oh, this is going to be good. So I go back to work and I come in and I had to shorten my maternity leave because too many things were happening. Mm-hmm. I go into this room. There are you know, 15 men, couple, couple women. And I come in and the other guy is sitting there. I mean, awful experience. I hated it. I'm like, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. I had to leave before the babies were up. From my house. I got home when they were asleep and I ended up having the worst year of my life. I hated that position. And it actually caused me to rethink corporate because it was, I did it. I got it. Mm. Oh, great. But it was an awful experience. Have you ever had anything like that? I was in the military. I think they, you know, made the awful experience. Yeah. So definitely. Yeah, you were you were Navy. I was Navy. Can you give us an example? Well, I went in as a non-designated seaman, which basically means you do not have a job. And when you get there, they tell you where you're going. So when I got stationed in the Philippines, I got there and they put me, sent me to a place called Boat Pool. Like, what's a boat? (laughs) I haven't heard of that one. So Boat pool is where all the smaller boats that support the ships come out of. Okay. So I ended up working on eight boats and six boats. And 
they're the boats that, you know, when you see the Marines come into the shore, the gate goes down in a war movie and they come running off. That's 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 the boat. I was the only female over there, period. You know, so I got all the comments. I got all the, oh, it must be this. It must be that. Oh, you don't really think you're going to run something. Yeah, it, it was. And I was 19. I had my 19th birthday in the Philippines. So I had to, my company commander was a female and mm-hmm. she was one of the few at that time. And this was in the eighties. Yes, I said the eighties. <laughs> this was in the eighties and it was very rare to have an officer, mm-hmm. you know, a female officer, company commander running the whole base. Mm-hmm. So I went to her because, you know, on the first orientation that she'd said, if you have any problems, you can come and see me. And I went to her and, to see her and she said, did you sign the contract? And I said, yeah. She said, did you request the job? And I was like, well, the recruiter, did, did you request the job? No, ma'am. She's like, then suck it up, buttercup. This is where you're going to be. And she's like, and if you're going to be with the boys, you're going to have to learn how to deal with the boys. Mm-hmm. You can't come, come crying to me. So I spent the first, I don't know, three months in the Philippines crying every night. I want to go home. My parents are looking at the exact same moon. Mm-hmm. So it was very interesting. But at the same time, I leaned in, learned my job and their job and took any challenge they gave, you know. But you said something really interesting. You said that you had to really step into this very male centric world. And I can say the same thing with Oracle. I mean, high tech. Mm -hmm. And I'm at that point selling financials and manufacturing. It, yeah, with the big, the big fortune, you know, companies, it was, I had to, and I remember there were days where the last thing I wanted to do, I mean, I was in the full suit, mm-hmm. like, do not wear a dress because I was going into, you know, <laughs> the manufacturing plant and walking around and I wanted to do whatever I could to almost become with the behaviors and the characteristics of a man. Mm-hmm. And that was the only way to survive at that time. The only way to survive. But then on the other side of that, if you're in an environment where it's mostly female, it seems to be that fight. You know what I'm saying? For that position. So which did you prefer? Because I'm an old computer programmer. I was in computer programming classes back in the 80s. And I was the only female there. I was the only person of color there. I walked in the building and they were asking me, are you sure you're going to the right place? Are you sure you want to be here? You know, so when you look back at it, you know, which did you prefer? Do you prefer being in that, you know, environment where you got that male challenge or do you prefer being in that? Because you're still going to have it. If you got a, a group of executive females, there's a different kind of stress over That's, there. It's very true. OK, so which way are you leading? Yeah, that's, you know what, I have to say, it took me a long time. I became, um, I hardened, I lost, I often talk about uh, 3HQ, head, heart, higher self. Yes, you do. And I was all in my head, very much, you know, my thoughts like, hey, got to get this done, got to close this deal, what's next, you know, who can I leverage? Mm -hmm. And, And it was not a lot of EQ, not a lot of the emotion behind it. And I remember my mom I walked in one day and she was taking care of the kids. And I, I came in like I was going into a, like a board meeting. I'm like, you know, why everything's a mess and, you know, where's dinner and I'm starving. And, and my mom just kind of backed up and said, hold on, like, wait a second. This is not, you know, this isn't work. And I, and she said, where did, where'd Hillary go? Yeah. And I there was, lost. oh, I was completely lost. And I had something I called corporate guilt. I, w- I felt guilty when I was at the office mm-hmm. and I wasn't at home with the kids. Mm-hmm. I felt guilty when I was home that I wasn't at the office. Right. I, you know, everyone else was there. All the guys were there because mm-hmm. their wives were, you know, baking the dinner and taking care of the kids. So I did, I struggled with it and I have, I've really enjoyed, especially what, where I've come from now, the relaunch co okay. is primarily women. And we have our chief revenue officer is a, is a man. He's like our token guy where we get on our, our Zoom calls on Monday. And there he is. And I'm like, hello, ladies. Oh, 
and the man. <laughs> and it's a great, it's a great, you know, way to realize that I have evolved. I can now, can now collaborate with, you know, female. And what we really try to do is build each other up. But, you know, going back to where Cheryl ended up, you know, having, she put out the book, she had a co-author mm-hmm. and then the co-author's name was on the book. Then it got a lot of like, you know, I think it sold now almost a million copies, wow. a million wow. copies of this book. And then the co-author fell off of the cover of the book. And then when Just she walked started off the edge, yeah, walked off the edge. <laughs> and then it ended up that it it got back on when there was a lot of heat. Next thing you know, the co-author is back on. What do you think happened there? I think somebody threw a fit and said, you're going to give me my credits. You know, I think that's but, what But we give so. her the credits when things start to go south. That was the worst part. <laughs> I was, and I did not know that. I'm like, that is so interesting to me. But another thing that, you know, she is one, still considered, you know, one of the most powerful women in the world. Yes. And as you said, she worked at uh, Google before. But there was something that I, when we were doing our research, that she was, uh, I love finding out what people did before they became, you know, famous, before they became well-known. And she was an aerobics instructor. So I know something about you. Hold on. I know something about you and boxing. Yeah, boxing. Okay. So how do we understand? What? How did this happen? When did this happen? What's going on with that? Okay, so where did it happen? It's one of the things, sports is one of the things that I could connect with my dad about. You know, because like I mentioned in the previous episode, I was the only entrepreneur in my family. My dad worked for a steel mill. He was a union guy, right? So I'm looking at sports. And one of the sports he loved was boxing. So I would sit next to him and we'd watch the greats, you know, by Muhammad Ali, and, you know, we'd watch the greats and he would literally be, you know, armchair boxing from the seat, <laughs> you know, jamming, you know, he would get into it. So I always wanted to learn how to box. Now you want to talk about a male dominated world? <laughs> no doubt. Into a boxing gym and say, you want to box. Now, how, old, today, how old were you? When I started boxing? Yeah. 55. Oh, no, wait, 53. Okay. 53, 53 years old. 53. So good. I had a young man on my show that is still my coach. His name is Townsend Carter. And his focus is helping Parkinson's mm. patients with boxing. So he, he came on the show and he shows this video of a man who could barely walk. And within six weeks, he's got him slowly catching a football. On the field. So So I will continue that story because I know we have a break coming up. We do. And when we come back, we are going to hear the rest of this story. And we're going to hear a lot that we didn't know. And now we will know. And so will they. Yeah. And so will you. And we will be right back. This episode is brought to you by my very own Labor of Love, my most recent book, Relaunch. This book is a collection of my stories, other stories, and is a motivational guide to living a new 3HQ lifestyle, sparking your heart to ignite your life. It's available for purchase via Amazon. Get ready to try on the 3HQ method that I've been using for years throughout my entire life, reaching the next level in all areas, both professionally and personally. Get your copy today at www.therelaunchbook.com. Everyone, we are back with The Relaunch Real. I have my co-host here, Tigo. So good. And we are leaning in. We are leaning out. We are leaning all over the place. But when we left off. Left off. I want you to, yeah, boxing. I want you to take us back there. Like take a little step back so we can go forward. Awesome. So when I, I'm 59 now, yeah, I'm going to tell the world. You look goes. great, girl. Thank you so much. Yeah. I cry. Yeah. <laughs> so when I was 53, um, I had another show I was producing. I was not hosting. And we had a gentleman on that works with Parkinson's patients who boxing. And I told him, I've always wanted to learn to box. But when I walk into a boxing gym, they look at me like, why are you here unless you're making a delivery or picking somebody up? We don't get it, <laughs> Right. 
And at that time, I was about 20 pounds heavier than I am now. And I was walking on two canes because I have artificial knees, thanks to the Navy. And I told him, I've always wanted to learn how to box. And he said, then come to my gym. And I was like, what? Are you serious? Well, long story short, I didn't call him. Three days later, he called me and said, so you coming or what? Oh, so good. I walk into that gym on these two canes. And he said, I'm going to have to treat you like a Parkinson's client. We're going to start from the beginning. And he said, the beginning is you getting down and getting your core tight. So we're going to get you on the floor. And I looked down and said, that floor. And he said, yeah. I said, do you have any idea how I'm going to get down here? And then how am I going to get down? This man put me down on the floor and picked me up for six months until I got strong enough to be able to do it myself. When I first put the gloves on, I did 10 punches, just 10. It's harder than that. Oh, it's crazy hard. And it sounds like a lot. I just went. And we started walking off. He said, where are you going? I said, I boxed. It is great. He said, uh, no. That's good. When I turned 55, two years later, we did the 10,000 punch challenge on the bag with my team. You put under your wraps, you put a counter. And it only counts if you hit the bag properly. And you got to get to 10,000. So I had the count. Uh-huh. I did 10,000 punches in 19 rounds for my 55th birthday. No way. It was it was awesome. So I dropped 75 pounds. 75? I dropped 75, actually more than that, but like 78, but 75 oh pounds. And then COVID hit, I gained back like 50 of that. Because so, you weren't going in. Because I wasn't thoughts. going in right. and all that. And literally this month, he's reopening his gym and he's like, get your butt back over here. So I'm going to go back and we're going to do it again. But I love boxing. I love the way it makes me feel. And I actually want to get certified as a boxing instructor to work with other women over the age of 45 and teach them not only a great way, a great cardio way to get strength and all of that stuff, but also a great way to defend yourself. Because there's so much craziness going on out there. And you just need to know, you know, how to take care of yourself because you may be by yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time. I, you know what? So next time I come out, we we're, will go. We, we need to get in the ring. We're going. We're going. <laughs> that is. And then great. while we're there, it's like we're going to get photos yeah. and all. Like, yeah. Watch. Yeah. We're going. This is good. I know it sounds scary, but you're going to love it. If, if <laughs> we say we're doing it, we're I doing guarantee it. you we're doing it. We're doing it. And you had asked me um, if I had boxed, and I have a I have a really sweet story about it. And I was at this. I was at this kind of a. Um, almost like a retreat type of place. Mm-hmm. And I was with my mom, one of the last times we ever traveled together before she passed. And they had a boxing type of class. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know what? I got some pent up aggression. My mom's about to pass. I need to go do that. Mm-hmm. Well, my mom was suffering from stage four colon cancer mm-hmm. and she ended up passing about six weeks after we went on this trip. But the best memory is that I went in and I said, you know, mom and mom was all of about, you know, five, two, five, three, you know, maybe 90 pounds at this point, maybe. Mm-hmm. And I put on my gloves, I wrap my, you know, I'm all ready. And then I see her over on the side going to wrap her own. Oh, nice. And so we were hitting that bag like, you know, you know, the F cancer, right? Yeah. We were like, oh. You know, I mean, we were just doing everything and to see this woman, I, I have to get the picture out and I'll make sure to post it when we're, you know, taught when, during this whole process with the social media. It is the cutest thing because you see my mom's face all like, <laughs> so, you know, it kind of takes me back to our last episode where you have the Rocky theme going through as you were tuning now in. Now you know what? <laughs> yeah, now it's, you know, it's kind of connecting here. Now you know what? I do. So one of the things that uh, Cheryl went through, which we all read about in 2015, her husband, they were in Mexico and her husband left and she woke up, I think from an afternoon nap, trying to figure out where he was mm. and couldn't, you know, Hey, where are, you know, trying to call him nothing. She finally ends up finding him in the gym where he had had a massive on this. He had had a 
he had a, something called a coronary arrhythmia, mm. which was a symptom of his undiagnosed coronary artery disease, and he died. Mm. She ended up really, you know, trying to get back to reality in life, and she had two daughters. You know, so many times we have work that has to go on. Yeah. Right. You can't just right. say, yeah, you can't just say, hey, I, I got something I'm really dealing with. Yeah. Have you had something in your life where the show had to go on? You had to keep doing it. And how'd you, how did you relaunch that time of your life? Yeah. So um, we started our business. We were GEA back in the day. And we started our business in 1999. And my best friend in the world um, went through two bouts of breast cancer. And her second bout of breast cancer, which we all just figured was going to turn out like the first one, she's going to tackle it. It's going to go away. She ended up passing from, and, but not from breast cancer. The medication from the chemo stopped her organs. No way. Yeah. So she oh. passed from the medication, not from the breast cancer. And she was the heart. GEA, Goss, Estrada, and Anderson. She was the heart um, and our CFO. So when that happened, I threw my hands in the air. I said, I'm done. That's it. I'm done. I'm going to go. Because you know how it is. The headhunters come at you all the time, trying to get you to come work for blah, 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 corporate. I'm like, I'm going back to corporate. I am done. And everybody said, no, 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 no. We got to figure this out. So this was um, 2019. And we we're going, what are we going to do? So I called Alan, who's our producer, right? And Alan is Melissa's brother. That's why he's my brother. Um, and I called him and I said, how do you feel about you filling her little shoes, her little powerful shoes? Because we wanted to keep the business in the family. And he said, okay. Alan came from an engineering environment. I he's never chills. been in production. So, so he went into like super mode of learning everything that he could. Okay. And he's like, we're going to do this. So we decided that we could not be GEA anymore. We want it to be something that reflected her as our heart. Mm. So if you look at the end of all of our shows on my show, mm. it says powered by the love for Mel. That's what it was because her name is Mel Melissa Rose. So we changed our company to Mel Rose. Oh, so good. Okay. And because for 25 yeah. years or so, she and I always saw 1111 somewhere, clocks, license plates, you name it, we did it. And one of the 11s is gone now. So that's why we're Melrose 11. Oh, so that's how we restarted. And we decided that we were going to be more like this. Not so much where we, because we actually owned an internet access company and all that kind of stuff. We didn't want to be out there. We wanted to know our people and who we were going to be about and give power. Because she was one, she was the person that was always telling me I needed to host. That's what oh. all the time. I needed to host. So a lot of everything that we do, we truly are powered by them. That's, that's us. That's, oh, that's, that's such, our a great, such a great story. And for those that have relaunches, have these things that are incredibly hard. I, you know, I often hear people say, you just got to power through it. Sometimes you just got to like, let yourself have the space Mm -hmm. which I know um, came in the form for me when my mom died. It was, she died on uh, October 28th, 2019. Mm -hmm. And then COVID hit mm -hmm. and we're, we're locked in March of, of 2020. We're, you know, locked in. I'm in a high rise apartment, 38th floor with my husband. And I felt like this caged animal. I felt like, like, on so many fronts, like I couldn't, if I went in the elevator, we couldn't go with anyone else. If I went outside, I had to, if I even wanted to go for a walk, I had to wear a mask. Everyone did, mm -hmm. but it was just like this feeling like I, I couldn't do a uh, Elizabeth Gilbert, eat, pray, love, go out and travel the world. And, you know, I couldn't do a wild and scream at the top of my lungs, you know? And so I ended up writing that book. That's I wrote the book about all of these things that came from 3HQ, Head Heart Higher Self. And for me, it was my essence of being out there, putting out there and getting through that time for you. And then I have this book now, and now we're creating the workbook that goes attached to it because 
especially, and I want to talk to you about this. We're both in our fifties. We've discussed that more and more. You're a baby. (laughs) I just got to say that she's a baby. Not really. (laughs) Being in this ripe old age, feeling really, really, really great. But I want to ask you, you know, more and more relaunches are significant, right? We're losing a lot more friends. We are finding out that we're getting, you know, it's it's life, as you said earlier. But when you think about having to move forward, what do you do now when more and more of life, you know, it's that song, I get knocked down, but I get up again. I think of you as a real survivor a real, like, you know, you inspire people to keep going, but sometimes it's easier to inspire people than to actually help yourself with it. Oh, tell me about it. I drive everybody crazy. And, (laughs) and for me, you know, I have a genius IQ and my mother used to tell me there's a thin line between a genius and an idiot. You walk on this line all the time. And it's like one of the things as I've met other people who have genius IQs is we also, because our IQ is higher for some reason, our dark side is higher. So we have a lot of fighting through the darkness. I have a ton of fighting through the darkness. Luckily, I have Alan and I've got my family and, you know, but when I have those moments, they help me get through it because I, it gets almost tunnel blindness. And you're like, I, I just can't do this anymore. I'm done. You know, that's why I say Zig Ziglar, uh, Les Brown and Rita Davenport saved my life because I had literally planned on taking my own life. And I ended up at a library. I don't. Yeah, explain explain that one. Well, okay. so I planned. I figured this is it. My business partner from the 90s had taken all the money. Okay, I went from 30,000 in personal income in a month to delivering pizzas for Domino's here in Las Vegas. So I was like, ah, I'm not doing this. I'm out. That is it. So I had planned how I was going to take myself out. And somehow, instead of doing that, I ended up at the local library here in Las Vegas. Now, mind you, I'm dyslexic. I'm a genius IQ with dyslexia. Think about that one. Mm-hmm. And I have a different kind of dyslexia. I don't see things backwards. If I'm tired, all the words look like one continuous word. I don't see spaces. So it's computers, why I love them so is that it's light from the back. So the tired, more tired I get, the more I turn up the light and still forces the light. So I can oh, still read, right? So what am I doing at a library in 1995? Okay. Especially so, when you're thinking about taking your life. So I go into I go into the library and I go to the library and I don't have a card. And I, she says, How can I help you? And I tell her, I said, I don't know, I just need something. Somebody, something. And she said, honey, I would say go to church, but I don't think you want to go to church today. So she said, go over there. Over there, they got this motivational tape things. I've never listened, but people love them. And I said, okay. And I went over there and I'm looking at it so much. And there's Zig Ziglar. And I'm like, okay. okay." I put him in the tape recorder and I put the headphones on. And he says, I brought for you a brand new pair of glasses. Okay. And I'm going, what? And I just sit there until it's time to close. And she let me take them on her card. She said, you take on because I didn't have a card. Yeah. I sat in the parking lot of the library until I ran out of gas. Listening to those things. <laughs> and that, and then the next person I listened to was Les Brown. The next person I listened to was Rita Davenport. And that's why I drove full time for Domino's. So I can listen to the positive coming out of my tape deck. And it got me motivated to go again. So that when I see somebody that is like down or saying they can't do it, or it's just, it's not meant for them. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And what do we have to do to get you there? I I can believe it, but you've got to believe it. And what's stopping you? What door is closed that we can just maybe get the shade up a little bit so you can see a little light? Because you don't have to be a superstar to me. You just got to be a star and shine your <laughs> light. You do. And then you walk one step after the other. And then you run into people like us mm-hmm. who have our ups and downs. We're human, yeah. right? We have our ups and downs. But at the same time, we can see a little bit further than a lot of people can because they haven't been around the people we've been around. They haven't had the mentorship. They haven't had the experience. And we can show them that, 
yeah, that's a black wall over there, but there's a door next to it. That is just keep moving. It's interesting when you were saying that about your experience in the library. I ended up having, after I was getting a divorce, I had three young kids at home. I had gotten um, melanoma and I was just really, you know, work was, I had left Oracle. I had started to raise capital for my own business. It was a grind. We were all over. I never felt like I had any type of grounding, no mm-hmm. foundation. And I went to my mom to see my mom in Newport. And I remember I was on her, one of her twin beds. And I just like put my arms out. If this was a little teeny twin bed. I like, I'm like, okay, really? Now I feel like I'm like, you know, five years old again. I'm like, what the heck? And she comes in and says, okay, you know, Hillary, like, you know, come on down, let's have a glass of wine. And I said, you know what? I, I don't even want one. She knew that it was a problem at that point because you know what? With her, I, I love wine. And so at that point, but you know what? We do have to take a quick break. When we come back, we will go more in. We'll share that. But there's also a couple more things that I'm going to share with you that we didn't know. Either one of us. Well, one is I didn't know she loved wine. So now we got to find out what kind of wine she loves. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. Okay. This so, is good. When we come back, we're going to share what is your favorite wine. Ooh, ooh, there it is. This episode is brought to you by my very own Labor of Love, my most recent book, Relaunch. This book is a collection of my stories, other stories, and is a motivational guide to living a new 3HQ lifestyle, sparking your heart to ignite your life. It's available for purchase via Amazon. Get ready to try on the 3HQ method that I've been using for years throughout my entire life, reaching the next level in all areas, both professionally and personally. Get your copy today at www.therelaunchbook.com. We are back with the Relaunch Real Tigo on my left. We are here. I am loving, loving this co-host business. I love it too. This yeah, is fun. This is so good. I mean, we should be doing this you know, more than once a month, but we'll keep it at that for right now because this is really great. I mean, she's the one who put me in once a month. She knows I'd have been there. <laughs> <laughs> so here's here's where the story before we uh, before we went on break. I was okay. talking about I'm on the bed in you know my my mom's room. I had gone through divorce, had melanoma. The company was like you know trying to raise money. It was like just you know going up against walls. It was really really a tough time in my life. And my mom had asked for the wine. Not what's your favorite wine? You know what? I don't drink anymore since I'm Oh, gosh. So I want to know why you love wine because oh. I don't really have a taste for it. Wow, so that I, is really interesting. I didn't know that. Here I'm thinking I'm going to start to have my glass of wine next to me instead of got my glass of water. Well, if you okay. took me, then I would be able to have one too. This is so funny. Well, I'll tell you before I get into the rest of that story. Okay. One of the things that I absolutely love is countryside. And I love when I built a house with my first husband, we put in 125 vines and I got, I had a very small, 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 but I had the opportunity to go out there and, and pick, I picked, I did it. I did it only a couple of years because it was really hard, even the small and I love going and visiting different areas and seeing, and I've had the pleasure now of going to so many in different continents, different countries, where it's all very similar. Like you kind of, you really understand all about, you know, the world as one, because you okay. see it's, you know, hey, this really reminds me of, you know, Northern California and Napa. And this really reminds me of Spain and some of the areas. It's so, it's amazing. So, yeah. So I would say my favorite though, I'm really getting into white wines these days. It was red for so long. And now I'm, I'm kind of moving into that because I I don't get as bad of a headache. I was going to say it's white, lighter, like 
I don't know if it is or not, but it just red because it doesn't give me that, okay. you know. So okay. I can I can have you know my glasses, the glasses, glasses. and then my summer wine is always a rosé. I, I really do. I like it. I don't drink rosé really until we get into kind of the warmer months, and it's just like I feel like oh, you know, the angels, the angels start singing. So now we need to find a vineyard to go and do an yeah. episode. I think. But, you know, I got a question for you, and then we can get back to the show. Do you know that celebrities are starting to real trend now for celebrities to own their own buildings? I don't. Oh! And some of my, actually, there's one that I think it's uh, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie created, and it was, is it Miravel? which is, you wouldn't know it, but I'm looking at my, I'm looking at Shannon off the, yes. So there's a fantastic one. I actually really enjoy theirs, but I think the biggest thing that is happening is the tequila industry. Now, now I love tequila. Ah. I drink it once a year now. There's (laughs) in the freezer. Gosh, that would be a thing. I I do it once a year. I try not to do it more than once a week. I'm one of those kind of people that, you know, you go out to party, you have a little bit too much when you're younger, right? Everybody crashes at somebody's house, you know? I'm the one that never got headaches, never got hangovers. Was oh, happy you're that girl. The you're that girl. So I open all the curtains. I raise all oh. the windows. I start making bacon and eggs. <laughs> oh, I'd like you for that. That is awesome. I do love anybody who makes me breakfast. Oh, I'm like, I, I make so breakfast. Okay. So back to, back to your story, which was, you know, in the library and you start to come across these, you know, really inspirational types of books. Well, my mom was very concerned because I didn't want a glass of wine. And I was really, uh, it was a low point, probably one of the lowest I ever had. And it ended up that she comes back in the room and she was going to give me a book the next day. And she hands me the secret. And I looked at her and I'm like, you've got to be kidding, kidding me. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it had barely come out. I think it was 2006. And she said, Hillary, just start it. And then when you're ready, come on down. Well, I stayed up there. I read it in about an hour and a half. And one of the things in the book was, or one of the people was John Asra. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, I'm always pushing like, okay, like what's the scientific evidence? Why does this really work? Mm-hmm. What's really going on here? You should be not a second. I, you know what? I told him. <laughs> Who knows? I think, you know what? I might be a closet tech. <laughs> But I ended up really, you know, pushing myself to be like, okay, if I really tried this whole law of attraction thing, what would I do? How would I really, you know, take it to the next level? And so I thought, okay, great. I really like this guy, John Asraf. I want to meet him. I want to, he was sharing that he has this like high level coaches. He coaches these high level people. I said, I want to coach his coaches. And... I want it. I want to meet him in the next six weeks. Okay. So I then realized that that I found a flaw in the secret, which was, wait, I just sit here and I don't do anything. I know I'm going to take a little action. You know, you've heard my, my whole idea of, you know, what will get me to move forward? What will get momentum? So I quickly put down on a piece of paper, here's what I would train his coaches on. Here's my agenda. Okay. And I put it in the book, closed it, went downstairs and said, I'll take that wine now. <laughs> and six weeks later, six weeks, almost to the day, I'm in a room and I look across and there's John. And of course, I know him. He knows he does not know me. Right. I walk out to him like, oh, my God, this worked. Mom, you know, attraction, it actually works. And he looked at you like, and he, well, he did one of those, like, you know, you know how they roll their eyes, like, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, he doesn't know me. And then I tell him, I said, you know, well, I really do, you know, want to get to know you. I wanted, he's still thinking, like, this is a crazy woman. But drum roll, it ended up within, I think it was about five years. It did take that long. I ended up coaching his coaches and I pulled out what I said I was going to awesome. teach them and I did it. So That's it awesome. goes back to inspiration. People sometimes hearing, not from your parents, 
not from somebody, you know, but some book that just inspires you that just, or somebody it's really, it's an incredible, incredible process. It truly is. Well, one of the things that as you were talking about, you know, the genius factor and Mm -hmm. one of the things that I was reading that we both had, you know, this idea about is, you know, Cheryl and what, what don't we know about her? And one thing I found, and I, I don't know, maybe you know it, but she graduated summa cum laude from Lottie, Lottie, from Harvard. <laughs> and I thought to myself, what is, what is that summa cum laude? And all of a sudden, do you remember that song? Hey, Lottie, Lottie, Lottie. <laughs> oh, we didn't do that. Is that actually a song? <laughs> yeah. Hey, Lottie, Lottie. So, <laughs> I was starting to sing this song because I don't know what that even means. I'm like, obviously, when I was in school, did a lot of homework. uh, Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yes. But do you know what that really means? Do you know what grade GPA you have to have? Aren't you supposed to be four point zero? No, you don't have to be three point nine to four zero. Is that interesting? That's cheating a little. It. Yeah. I was like, really? That is really. And then. It was, did you, I always thought magna cum laude, magna, because magnum just magna sounds bigger, was above. Yeah, it's so it's actually below. Yeah. I didn't know it's that. Second place. Uh, yeah, I didn't know We're that. really smart. And that one, <laughs> yeah, that one is 3.7 to 3.8. And just cum laude is 3.5 to 3.6. Wow, I didn't know that. I, I absolutely did not know that. I didn't know. I didn't know I any of those. did not know that. I, I thought they all were like 4.0 people, and it was just who had maybe just fractional points I, a little bit higher. Honestly, I was like, that's, wow. That's crazy. I know, I know the Latin behind it because I took almost six years of Latin, but I did not know. As Wait, I, stop. I know. I know. Seriously. Why? Hold on. I know. Why did you take one? I did not know that. Here's another one. But why did you take six years of it? Unless, of course, you're going to be a pharmacist. You wanted to be able to read the prescription. I thought I was going to be a doctor. I did. My dad was a doctor. My grandfather was a doctor. Everyone thought it would be a really great idea when everyone else, I grew up in Los Angeles, everyone else was taking Spanish. And they were, you know, they were talking and they were going to Mexican restaurants and they were speaking and I just sat there and yeah, I read the Iliad. I read the Iliad as my, and it took me, it took me six years. And recently I was asked to speak at my old school. Actually, it was before COVID. Do you have this problem with COVID? Every, there's almost like that three-year mark, the COVID where you're like, oh yeah, I just did it. And then you're like, but add three years. Yeah. It's the craziest. COVID is one long year. It's like right now, 37 months or something. It's just one it is. So you and think we, about the things rest before. Of our lives are going to be referencing prior, before COVID, you know, like AD and before COVID, after COVID. We're it, going to reference weird, that way. It is the weirdest thing for me. I will, I will constantly say, oh yeah, that was a couple years ago. And then it'll be like, no, actually that was a couple years plus the COVID years. I mean, even when I was telling you about Melissa, I said it was, you know, five years ago. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But it's like add COVID. you have to add COVID because for five years, she told me to host. Yeah. No. So it was really 10 years total. You know what I'm saying? But you have to add COVID. Yeah. You're going to always reference before COVID, after COVID. Yeah. Period. It's, it's the weirdest it's the thing. Part, I, it's a big date stamp for the it, rest of the life. It is. Okay. So another thing that Cheryl is, uh, she didn't like the word bossy. And so she launched the ban bossy campaign to empower women. And I thought, what do you think? What do you think about the word bossy? Well, it's always seen negative though. You know, they don't say it in a way, in a great way. Yeah. Oh, she's so amazing. She's so bossy. Nobody yeah. does that. They yeah. go, oh, you know, she's so bossy. She's so, yeah. <laughs> so I, don't, I don't blame her. Yeah, I don't like the word bossy yeah. either. It's like, I don't blame her because that's one of those words where you just you kind of want to slap somebody. Yeah. Before we run out of time, I got to ask yeah. you because some I wouldn't be doing my job. I got you. Don't worry. I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask you. You went from corporate America. Now we know about the doctor thing. Yep. So doctor-ish, corporate, corporate America. Now you're doing all this relaunch and the author and working with people. What fueled you 
what got you to say it's okay to take that leap? Because I'm sure there's somebody right now working their way up the corporate ladder who has a baby or twins and they're making the choice mm-hmm. and da, 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 and they're going, I don't, I don't think I have the permission to be able to do that. Oh, so, you know, so what fuels you? You know, it's, it's interesting because I think that especially being in that mid zone space, mm-hmm. middle aged, where you really are thinking, what is next for me? Mm-hmm. And I felt like after that whole incident with the gentleman, I felt, Hey, what is next? Cause this isn't really what I want to do. And I decided at that point, I moved into a different group within a year, gave up that, you know, gave up that management job and ended up focusing in an area. And I had the best year of my life. And I knew I needed to go out and explore more of my passion and my purpose, bringing those together because I felt alive again. Mm-hmm. I had doled out. I had, I had tuned out to what I really wanted to. So the thing that I would really, as we're wrapping up here, I really think people have to take the time to not just listen, but hear what you're in, what you're really empowered to do, what you really want to do, what lights you up, what fires you up. And so as we wrap up right now, what would you advise people when you're either leaning in or leaning out? What would you say that you should do? It's okay to put yourself first sometimes. It is. It's totally okay, especially for females. And we're not just talking to females, you know, but especially for females. It's okay. Yes. You have your family, you have your kids, you have dinner to make, but it's okay to do some stuff for yourself and focus on your goals too. Ah, We're going to wrap it up with that. Thank you again, everyone for being here and we'll see you next week. You've just heard another episode of the Relaunch Podcast. If something shared in this episode resonated with you, please head over to iTunes right now and leave us a five-star review and share this episode with others to inspire them to take the small steps that lead to a life full of purpose and possibility. And remember, you can have immediate access to the show notes and any giveaways at therelaunchco.com backslash podcast. Until next week, now is your time to relaunch your transition into a transformation.